Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Spin Class. We're talking politics. I'm your host, Michael Fragan, here with Phil Goldfeder, our co-host here in beautiful downtown Cedarhurst, New York, in the blizzard conditions. And we are so committed to this, to making sure that we get our weekly coffee fix, actually, as to say, our politics fix, here at Central Park, that uh, it is actually a blizzard outside, and we are inside bringing to you the best in political talk from a Jewish angle here on the Nachum Siegel Network and around the world on our roots, Sheva, Israel National News slash radio. Good morning, Phil. Good morning, Michael. It's a surprise. It is actually blizzarding out and it has not slowed the traffic here to Central Park. <laughs> still, people need their coffee. Still waiting for my coffee. You know, it's it's funny. You know, you would think like, you know, get a Keurig for these emergencies. I think. <laughs> <laughs> so Maybe I'm, they're here for us. Well, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for the crowd for showing up. And we have, do have a special guest guest here, uh, Usher Goldfeder, has joining us here this morning as our technical assistant. Uh, Usher, he, good morning. Okay. He, he's just <laughs> upset he got demoted. I told him executive producer. Oh, so, well, excuse, that position was already filled, I think, <laughs> somewhere on paper. <laughs> anyway, uh, thanks for joining us here, and uh, wow, all I can say is wow once again. And, you know, I don't want to go, we're not going to make the show about the Trumpism of the week, or the Trumpisms, or the top 10 Trumpisms of the week. I think we're going to, let's start off another tack, and eventually we'll get to a Trumpism or two. But a couple of things I wanted to discuss this morning, because I, I think like the next four years are just going to be talking about the foibles and the faux pas and the messes that are coming from this administration and some successes as well. I don't want to say the unsuccessful. Actually, I think so far so good with Judge Gorsuch, although they are having a little bit uh, potential of a of a disagreement, uh, if you if you believe it. But um, and Trump attacking the judiciary in general. We'll get to that in a second. But this week, uh, Mr. Goldfeder. Uh, assistant Vice President, or I'm sorry, Vice President, Assist Assistant, assistant vice excuse president. me, Vice President at Yeshiva University led a mission of uh, several hundred students to Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, to see the new changes in the government. And uh, tell us what you found. Is Washington still the same place that it was last year? It's a little bit different, but let me let me just start by saying that this was not my mission. This was a student-led mission. I guess, oh, of you course, know, of course. The students at Yeshiva University, and, and I have learned, and I think I've always known this, but they are just a passionate, enthusiastic, um, energetic group who are always willing to go well above and beyond. Uh, this group was led by YUPAC, uh, its president, uh, Daniel Geller, who literally worked day and night while he's doing his schoolwork, while he's, he's handling everything else going on on campus. He actually organized over 100 students, YU students, and some high school student leaders really? who also attended the trip, who were briefed um, at APAC in the morning, who had a very fruitful day uh, sort of roaming the hills, uh, roaming uh, Capitol the Hill. Halls, the I think. halls, I think they call those halls. Thank you. That's roaming right. the halls of Capitol Hill. And... Um, and, and ultimately, we ended up at the, U the Israel Embassy, where they were briefed by uh, a former ambassador. And so it was a very, very... The corridors of power. Yeah, it was a, it was a very productive day. Um, and I give the students all the credit. I was just along for the ride. Just along. Well, let, let me... You've been on both sides of the table right now. And I think a lot of people, you know, they're out there and they're saying, okay, how can I affect change? How can I you know, do something? For, what, does it really matter if I go to Washington, if I go to Albany, if I go to New York City Hall, or if I go to a village meeting or any type of meeting? Does it matter? if I show up to these things? I mean, I always thought it does, but from your perspective, having been sitting there, been the one, the influencee, 
how much does it matter? So the answer to that question is, is yes and no, right? It's not a matter of, of you know, taking a meeting and going to speak to a member of Congress, or in my case, it was the state assembly when people used to come and lobby me a day in and day out. It wasn't a matter of whether that person uh, was important or whether I appreciated that meeting. It was about the way in which that person spoke and, and gave over the message he was trying to deliver. And so, you know, if someone were to walk into the office and, and talk in a, in a very low-key, low-tone, low-energy kind of way, then that kind of gives the indication that maybe this issue is not as important or it's not as, as, as in the person's sort of heart and soul. But you had to see our students uh, just in, in watching and speaking to them on the bus ride up to D.C. And yeah, I, I was like everybody else. I took the bus uh, up to D.C. Took I, the bus. I think it was, wow. one, it was actually one of the best parts of the trip, uh, just sort of getting to interact with, with, with all the students. Um, but seeing their energy and their passion, it wasn't just about hitting every talking point and making sure we're, we're covering every topic. It's about talking to members of Congress, members of the assembly, members of government about what what you think is important and making them feel it, right? When we're in Albany, or in, in this week, in this case, you know, in Washington, a lot of what goes on is on paper, right? We we read bills, we read legislation. It's 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 not it's words on a paper. When students or anybody goes to lobby their government, it, it takes the words off the paper and it makes it real for those for those members of the legislature that are going to vote on it. And so, I think it is critically important not only to to send emails to contact your elected officials but when you can to go to washington to go to albany to go to city hall to make sure that the members who are going to make the decisions understand sort of what the the people in the community and their constituents think and and that's exactly what our students did i think they had an amazing experience uh sort of getting to, to see how washington works but more importantly i think they had a, a deep impact um, in relating to members of Congress. I think uh, we met with over 30 or 40 members of Congress and, and or their staffs to talk to them about Israel and their support and what we th thought was needed as uh, we move forward. Wow. What, we, what were the agenda items? What is at the top of the agenda right now? Like, what is it, what, what is it the advocacy about right now? I mean, what, you know, I, I, Iran, Israel, I mean, what is it? Moving the, moving the embassy? I mean, what, what are we talking about here? It's a safe and secure Israel. You know, the, there's such a partisan divide in Washington these days, and, and I know we're going to get into that soon enough, but there's such a partisan divide. And, I, and I hadn't noticed. I had you, then you weren't listening to our, your own show. <laughs> oh, good point. There is a, a huge partisan divide, and so I think the key message to everybody who is walking into an office, and, and I want to be clear, right? You don't just walk in and talk. You want to be prepared. You want to know what you're saying. You want to deliver your message in a passionate way, but also in an, in an informed way in a, and in a smart way. And so um, it was important to stay away from politics, to, to not get into any of the heated uh, debates, but more importantly, just sort of ask for support uh, for Israel in, in every way, in, in, in any and every way. And I think that's what our students did. Uh, they did it with passion. They did it with enthusiasm. It was truly amazing. I mean, the students at Yeshiva University, uh, at, at Yeshiva College and at Stern, uh, just prove once, uh, time and time again, that, that, that they are going to be a future leaders. And I'm just amazed and, and excited to be a part of it in some small way. And uh, I tell you that... Some small way. Aren't you... Weren't you? They aren't you there to be the guy to be their guide? <laughs> um, I, I'm again. I, you know, there's so many people who do amazing work. Look at this false modesty from a former politician. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the truth is, and I want to remind you and all our listeners, this was a student, student trip. trip. I mean, right. You think about that, the amount of logistics that goes into it. I mean, our students are worked, I mean, with, with all their Lumude Kodesh and, and their secular studies and all the classes. I mean, their average class load is seven or eight classes when your typical college student is taking four. And so with all of that, they still had the time to organize this trip, and they were so happy they invited me to join along. I did take some students uh, along with me as well. 
it was uh, it was an interesting trip for me. I got for the first time to see Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer's uh, new office at the state capitol. Uh, U.S. Capitol, that is. At the U.S. Capitol. Right. It was, uh, we had to wait a little bit because the senator was in with a, a potential Supreme Court justice. And so we had to wait before we got a chance to see him. But uh, I'm proud to report that not only did we see the, the, the senator and have a chance to talk to him, but we got to meet... Uh, a potential Supreme Court justice potential, as well. Well, the nominee, if you will, uh, Judge Gorsuch, I think. And that, well, that's a perfect segue, actually, because I think that, you know, there is this, right now we're looking at this Schumer dilemma, this huge dilemma right now for the Democrats as far as what to do with Gorsuch. And we talked about it last week. We said that, you know, in my mind, he's kind of the perfect pick for Trump politically. Um, you know, I always you know, analyze everything from politics. It's not to me whether, you know, legally it's that, but politically he's the perfect pick he is a rock he's a conservative rock star and the base clearly is was ner- probably nervous about trump because he's ideologically malleable and you come with a guy like gorsuch who is well known and and certainly is a a known quantity in conservative circles and you talk to people and they couldn't be happier about him now you have a situation where the democrats can either consider well, they can try and block it, and then the Republicans go nuclear, and they go for the nuclear option, which is to end the filibuster, and then they're stuck. The filibuster is over; you can no longer filibuster. You have a, and there will probably be additional Supreme Court nominees coming down the pike sometime during the Trump administration. So, where do we where do we go from here? If you're Chuck Schumer, trying to placate the base at the same time saying, okay, does it really matter so much if I'm replacing one conservative justice with another conservative justice, meaning Scalia, with Gorsuch? They are kind of from the same mold. I'm not really tipping the balance of the court at all and going ahead and incurring the nuclear option, which I think the Republicans have basically said they're going to do. So let me first start with a... That was a long question. That was a very long question. Let me start by saying that uh, Judge Gorsuch was actually very nice and very gracious with his time with me, uh, with Yeshiva University students who were, I think, also excited to get a chance to see him. Um, I also think in in sort of an interesting interesting, uh, note, Judge Gorsuch was... I think a little bit excited to take photos. I think it's interesting. How many people ask judges for pictures to take a picture with a judge, right? I can't imagine it's happened to him too often. Our students were, were excited to get the, a chance to say hello and, and talk to him for a minute, but asked him for a photo and he could not have been happier. It seemed almost happier than the students uh, to take the photo, um, which I thought was really nice. It was a, you know, sort of just, it was a little bit, you know, you always wonder about certain people in certain positions, and, and obviously he had security and a lot of staff around him, and so you, he had the excuse. And I wouldn't have faulted him if he said, you know, I, I have to go, I'm busy, or I, I can't do it. But he could not have been more gracious with his time, um, and so I want to thank him for that. You know, as you as you now know, right, the senator uh, Senator Schumer was actually meeting with. Um, Judge Gorsuch when we were there. And so I think that is, is telling in, in terms of the fact that Judge Gorsuch is, is going to be one of those candidates that we discussed last week that's going to work the halls, is going to sit down with everybody who wants to sit with him, is going to talk to everybody who wants to talk to him and answer every question. And so I think the Democrats are going to be hard pressed to go uh, with the nuclear, uh, excuse me, to, to, to sort of hold this up because, you know, you can't hold it up just, just on ideals alone. I know as much as it, it may pain some people on the left to have uh, Judge Gorsuch as the Supreme Court justice, you know, there's a process, and the, the everybody has a job to do. And, and yet, while they should be voting, they're conscious. At the end of the day, you're right. He's a good pick from from the point of his he's scholarly and he's smart and, and he has a great record. And 
And so and personable and personable and he's proven he's going to work he's not just going to sit back and take it for granted and, and sort of ride the trump train in he's going to work the halls he's going to speak to whoever wants to, to speak and he's going to answer and supposedly I, he was somewhat critical of trump well supposedly I, we don't know we don't know i mean uh, senator blumenthal is 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 I, i've gotten to to, to meet and, and know senator blumenthal and so i, I have this no, is senator richard blumenthal of connecticut, of connecticut former attorney general and uh, now u.s senator i have no reason to believe uh, his statements weren't that outlandish I no i i agree and just to review in case you haven't yet checked your uh donald real donald trump twitter feed this morning uh, Judge Gorsuch said that he was uh, distressed uh, or disappointed by the, or concerned with regard to the president's attacks on the judiciary, uh, making statements with some called judges, and basically saying that the oral arguments before the Ninth Circuit uh, Court of Appeals on the immigration ban. I'll call it a ban. <laughs> the uh, on the immigration ban, uh, those that were uh, disgraceful. Um, I, for a guy who's so litigious, meaning the president, it is interesting that he doesn't seem to know the way the court works or the courts work. I mean, he he is, I, I think, a, a master actually of the courts, and I mean, there's no question about that. I mean, over the over the course of his career, he has used litigation on the courts quite effectively. I, I mean, pr- incredibly effectively. Uh, but you know, just the the idea of attacking the, a judge while you have kind of a pending case never didn't work out with him with judge curiel and you know in the in the in the trump university thing and i don't think it's going to work out well for him now you know uh, let me start by saying that i think donald trump is a smart man i i would never you know i think in order to get where he is he's very shrewd he's shrewd he's smart um and he's also surrounded himself and that's president trump to you president trump my apologies he's also surrounded himself with smart people right many of them who are right here from the five towns where we're sitting right now he's surrounded himself with smart people who understand these issues i think the question is is he listening to these smart people is he listening to the advisors who in some areas are going to know more than he does about certain issues and so it's a question of whether he is willing to take a step back understand sort of the politics the complexities of all the various issues he's getting into um and not just sort of shooting from the hip um and and attacking department stores <laughs> well i we, you know they, they, that brings it up another question i'll just and i i guess we'll, we'll exhaust our trumpisms of the week trump went ahead and the president went ahead and attacked nordstrom for dropping ivanka's clothing line and the the strange thing about this is that ivanka was divest has divested of her business so why does it matter exactly whether Nordstrom dropped the clothing line? It just the whole thing is just it, it, it really is the theater of the bazaar here. Like you have the president attacking a retailer for going ahead. It's well, what can I say? I apologize. I didn't mean to bring that up. I you know look, <laughs> I, you like we've said. I think you know. First of all, let me let me just reiterate. Anybody who has any question is as an American citizen, I want our president to succeed. I wanted our, our last Democratic president to succeed, and I wanted our last Republican president to, uh, to succeed. There's nothing better for our country than to see a, a, a president who's, who's accomplishing, of making our, keeping our country great and, and, and keeping us on the right path. However, week after week after week, you know, the president himself creates these problems that he doesn't need to create. 
I don't know why. I can't explain it. I really can't explain <laughs> he, he it. He said the murder rate was the highest in 47 years. It's just not these, true. These are things that are so easy to fact track. We'll, we'll, we'll leave that aside. I mean, it, you know, it, fantastic. If you haven't caught it out there, and this is Spin Class, we're here on the Nakam Siegel Network. Michael Fragan and Phil Goldfeder come to you from Central Park in the middle of the blizzard, having our coffee, uh, and just talking politics. Just two guys, just two random guys talking politics here. And uh, we're joined by Asher Goldfeder as well, having his French toast. So, uh, but let's just take for a second the 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 irony here of of talking about things that are so checkable right i I don't know what else to say like you know the alternate facts i mean you got to catch this jake tapper kellyanne conway exchange i mean that happened on cnn it's it's really priceless i mean and and you know kudos to to jake tapper i mean actually kudos to kellyanne conway as well because i mean that woman holds her own better i've never seen anything like it i mean just can say anything can get around anything can deflect as as the best I've ever seen. I probably. I mean, it's just. Uh, I mean, there have been some good White House spokesmen in the past, but never has anybody been able to defend, in a sense, the indefensible to in the way that she does. Uh, Jake Tapper really went after her on the whole alternative facts universe, if you will, or the you know, if and he, you know, the facts are inconvenient things sometimes, but they are you know, for the president, there don't seem to be any facts that actually can bother him. Yeah, I, to talk about Kellyanne for a second. I mean, that interview was, and if anybody hasn't seen it, you know. Liberal, conservative, Democrat, right. Republican. It was actually very interesting. If you're into politics, watch that. It interview. was a great interview, and and the funniest part is, is Kellyanne actually was trying to defuse the situation. Yeah, she was trying to apologize, really. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was actually the first time I'd ever seen her like that in terms of like not being, sort of not trying to push back and sort of almost, uh, you know, sort of minimize what what the points were, right? Minimize the democratic points. It wasn't sort of like a, a pivot and, and, and shift. She actually was almost apologetic and, and trying to explain it. It was actually, it was fantastic. It was a great interview. I give Kellyanne credit for that, right? To apologize, to, to, to actually give Jay credit for, for some of the reporting work that he's done and some of his colleagues at CNN. She actually sort of started, what I saw for the first time was a tiny walk back of a couple of things that I thought was, was maybe maybe certain frustration from those inside the administration with the way the president is, is carrying himself. Yeah, well, Politico is out with an article that's saying that the White House can't find a communications director because nobody wants to take the job because essentially the president is his own communications director and he kind of leads his own communication strategy, which often happens overnight when nobody's around. Um, it's very difficult to work. I mean, we've both worked for very prominent politicians and to have to work with somebody who has lax message discipline. I mean, I think uh, one thing that, we, that we've had over the years is many different people who have incredible discipline when it comes to message. And uh, when you're always trying to kind of clean up after, afterward and to try and you know, kind of walk behind the dog, to borrow an analogy, <laughs> not necessarily the nicest one while you're drinking coffee, but, uh, but you're always walking behind the dog, that is not what most communications professionals want to be doing with their day. The, the the goal uh, of a communications director of, of press secretaries is to to drive the to drive the message right. They clearly have no control. They are not driving. I I don't even know if they're in the car, let alone uh, let alone driving the the message. And so it's it's got to be frustrating for them. And and I going back to this, I thought Kellyanne was actually for the first. I thought she was really good. I yeah. Thought, I mean, look, she's always so impressive. Whether you whether you like her, or you don't like her, she's always been impressive. And you're exactly right. You give her credit for her ability to sort of. Uh, pivot and turn, but I thought she actually showed a different side of her on this interview, and 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 actually kind of 
again, took a tiny baby step backwards from the message that the president had been putting out. And so I wonder if this is a, a, a new shift, whether she's sort of breaking, uh, breaking ranks a little bit. Look, no, no, no come on. I, I, I could say that's, that, a, that's a bridge too far. <laughs> <laughs> I could say that this was the first time I'd seen anything like it. Um, and I thought it was good. I thought I thought I, I tell you this. I walked away from that interview saying that, like, I was impressed, but but maybe the. the Maybe things can go well, right? It gave me a, a tiny bit of hope that, that maybe she and, and the president and, and others have determined that there's a shift. Look, last weekend there was talk of how are these decisions getting made? There was an article, right. uh, I think, in the Washington Post um, about how these decisions are getting made and, and how uh, Rance Priebus is now like kind of retinkering with the process. He's trying. He's but, trying. But, but I will let me throw it in there because I think this is an important point. I think over, overall here, these are the most, this is the most leak, leakage that I've ever seen in the ship. In, in any political office, and it's happening at the highest levels. I mean, clearly, anytime something is going on in this White House, somebody is running to the press and talking about it. And, and because I, people might think, okay, fake news, fake press, everybody, you know, they, they make up the stories. Reporters don't make up stories. They have a source. Okay, they might not. The source might be lying. I mean, it's certainly possible. But they're gonna, they're, they're not gonna do run a story without a source because then they're gonna get fired. It's happened. Um, you know, it's happened many times. Uh, you know, and even at the New York Times, it's happened. So they're not. But the le- amount of leaks going on here. I mean, clearly, this group is not together. Um, yes, you have a bunch of very smart people, but clearly there, some, there are a whole bunch of people out to get each other in this White House. Look, elected officials are only as good as the people they surround themselves with. I think we've we've established that Trump has surround, President Trump, excuse me, has surrounded himself with, with smart people. But yeah, there's no process yet. There's, it doesn't seem like there's any mechanism for actually coming up with ideas and then carrying them out and, and making them happen. And so... Things are just sort of people are shooting from the hip and, and hoping to get it right. And but so also talking to the media. And, to, and, and leaking. <laughs> which, the, which they presume to be their enemy. <laughs> the, the, the whole thing is, is, is definitely a, a sociological, a psychological sort of case it's quite study. The, it's quite the experiment. Um, but I look, you know, and I, I want to reiterate, and I think we both agree that you know, we want to see this president succeed. Um, as a Democrat, as a Republican, we want to see this president succeed for the, for the best interest of our country. And I'm hopeful week after week we're going to keep saying it that like... Right. We're at some point going to be, you know, become presidential and, and we're going to sort of put everything else aside and, and Donald Trump can do what I think he is smart enough and capable enough to do. Make America great again. Let's talk about an issue that the that is probably of concern to, to our community. And I think this has kind of come out when the kerfuffle, I love that word, the kerfuffle over the Holocaust statement, which the White House has now quintupled down and one White House spokesman went on TV, uh, went on radio, Michael Medved's show, and said that the whole discussion is asinine, which, okay, I mean, I'm sorry, it's, it, you guys screwed it up. Does the White House need a Jewish liaison? I mean, look, I'm a former Jewish liaison. I, I, I think that it's an important area. People underestimate the, the complexity of the Jewish community and understanding and getting it right with the Jewish community because it's very vocal, even though it's not necessarily very much. But you need the liaisons. You need people who focus on this. The White House really doesn't have one. I mean, my people might say, okay, Jared Kushner, he's from the community. He's the, But that's not his job. His job is not to cultivate contacts within the community. And clearly, they're they're making missteps now. I mean, the the... I thought their settlement statement, which now goes back to George W. Bush policy, was actually very good. But yet the press came out there and right away was uh, was all over it as this is a huge walk back. And, this is the, and they had no Jewish organizations there talking, praising, you know, lined up in advance. That, that's the work that people, you know, in that office should be doing and nobody's doing it. 
It's funny. I was in, as you know, I was in Washington this week, and I, uh, I heard that. <laughs> have you heard? I uh, had a chance to to meet with uh, Congressman Nadler and 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 Congress, uh, a brand new Congresswoman Claudia Tenney from upstate New York, oh, uh, yes. my former colleague in the Assembly, and Congressman Meeks, and I asked about White House tours um, to one of them, and and they said, well, there's no more tours. They're they're currently suspended. You can't get a White House tour. No way. I said, well, why not? And they said, well, because there's no one there to answer the phones. There's no one actually. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. I need a moment for a second. <laughs> <laughs> There's nobody there to answer the phone. Apparently, the tours office or the tour liaison or the White House liaison responsible for tours. They fired them? I, I can't answer the question, but apparently you cannot get a tour of the White House right now. Um, that is sort of what I've heard from, from congressional office. Not just one, more than one congressional office, Democrat and Republican. And so it seems that there's just no one there filling that post to handle as a liaison to whether it's the congressional offices and or the public as it, as it relates. The website is currently down. There used to be a website. Where right. You can go yeah, in. sure. The website is currently down, so you can't actually register for a tour. And the reason is not because... They must be nervous about people from Yemen coming. Well, That's I mean, it's, it, like, I can understand transition. And well, we're still setting the White House up and there's still right. things going on. And, and so I get that. But no one is actually saying that, right? There's a big... There, you know, people get, you know... The snowstorm. Let, let's talk about the snowstorm for a quick second. Yeah, right? let's talk about it. Because if, if you know that it's coming, then I, I can prepare for it, right? right? I understand it. I, but don't tell me today, well, oh, look outside. It's, it's no big deal. Don't worry. No, no, no. Tell me what to expect. Give me a realistic expectation, and then I won't get upset. But if you tell me the snow is going to be cleared in an hour, and the snow is not cleared, then I'm going to be upset. And then you tell me in an hour, oh, don't worry, it'll be cleared in an hour from now, and it's still not. I mean, that just gets people frustrated. And so this White House, I mean... What, what you see is, don't worry, it's going to be great. It's, we're going to have the best administration. We're going to, it's going to be an awesome White House. And yet, we're not actually seeing that. So, so tell us. Say, hey, it's going to take us a month to get, our, to get everything together, and, and we can all appreciate that. But when it comes to a Jewish liaison, it's the same thing, right? We need, there, there are jobs that need to be done. There are positions that need to be filled for the purposes of representing ethnic groups, communities, interests all across the gov government and and so far we're not seeing those jobs being filled and you're seeing the results of those of 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 those lack of of job position ful uh, fulfillment number one people aren't getting tours of the white house lately yeah. and you can't get a, a simple statement about holocaust remembrance correct right i mean i you know i think that that was a i know we're making a big deal of it and of course i think that that it matters and you know some people said to me what's the big deal i look it actually is when the white house makes statements that is U.S. government. That's the view of the U.S. government. Okay, I take that seriously. I take the views of the gov of the United States government seriously, and it's taken seriously around the world. And making a break and leaving out Jews from that statement is noticed. It's not unnoticed, so it's not asinine to talk about it. But let's talk about snow, because I think snow has bedeviled many a politician and uh, over the years. And, uh, you know, even some of the most capable uh, technocrats have been, uh, have been, best managers have been bedeviled by snow, in, you know, New York City and elsewhere. And, you know, let's, we'll, let's segue for a second into the into the mayor's race, because I think uh, in 2017 here in uh, coming up in New York City and there are other races, local races going on as well. Um, you know, what, I know you're very, uh, very confident about uh, Bill de Blasio being uh, reelected, but uh, there are clouds on the horizon for him. You know, I'm, I'm, I 
I like Bill de Blasio. I think I've said this. I like him as a person. I pers- like him too. I, I like him as a person. I knew him when he was in the city council. Um, I had a, a tremendous relationship with him as public advocate. I think a, a story that I, I try to tell because I think it's important. During Hurricane Sandy, after Hurricane Sandy ha- hit, Bill de Blasio as public advocate was one of the first elected officials to reach out to me, but not only to call me and say we're with you, but to yeah, actually... Yeah, but as mayor, he doesn't... He well, hasn't hold come. on, hold on, hold on. He, okay. was, he was the first one to I, come out and walk the streets with me and talk to business owners and, and help as public advocate. And, and so I give him credit for that. Um, as mayor, I mean, the question is, is, is whether, you know, we're going to start to get into alternative facts about the city. I mean, people are trying, and, and, and many people, some of them have their own ambitions, are trying to paint this city as it's not working. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that this mayor hasn't made missteps. You know, I don't want to get into them. I don't think we have the time. But I, there's no question he's made missteps, and, and he's, he's put himself into certain positions that he didn't necessarily have to. However, the city is actually running and running smoothly. I right? agree with you. Crime is down. Um, uh, economic development is, is up and, and things are working. The streets are getting plowed, right? I came in here this, I, I came in here all the way from, from Queens, New York to Cedarhurst where we are right now and I would I would say and I apologize Michael Fragan who is the trustee Deputy of, Mayor of Deputy, excuse me Deputy Mayor of Lawrence the streets of New York City were better cleared nah. by the time I got here than <laughs> the village of Lawrence. It's Uh-oh. yeah, that's going to be a problem. But so, but <laughs> I, you know, the funny thing is, De Blasio being a campaign operative and a real advocate, campaign operative at heart, has actually done more poorly on the politics side, the communication side, than he's done on the management side. And you know, there is this kind of perception that he is falling down on the job a little bit. But I want to switch. Last point I wanted to make with you, uh, as once again we're running out of time, it's just amazing. Is the let's talk about the IDC for a second, okay? Another Jose Peralta, Jesse Hamilton, some of these new members of the IDC, which is the Independent Democratic Conference and the State Senate, are now being threatened by left-leaning groups and primaries and stuff. Now that hasn't worked in the past. They 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 tried to primary Tony Avella in Queens and that failed, and tried to primary Jeff Klein in the Bronx and that failed uh, a couple of years ago. Is you know if somebody says don't the voters like the idea of saying I'm putting the I'm putting politics second and I'm putting governing first and that's you know the idea of you know I I, I thought people like a little bit of independence out there. I, I want to give a huge credit. I mean Senator Jeff Klein and Diane uh, Senator Diane Savino of Staten Island, Jeff Klein uh, from the Bronx you know, over the years have really proven their ability to find ways to work with both sides of the aisle. Look, the Democrat... Right, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing, right? And you, I hate to say it, that's something that our country can learn from. Now, there's no question that the Trump divide, the divide that, that President Trump is creating is now adding pressure to the Independent Democratic Conference to do things differently or come back to the mainstream. I think what the reason that, that Senator Klein and Senator Savino started the, the Independent Conference was because of the failure of the Democratic Party in the in the... New York State Senate to actually get along. Senator Savino said this yesterday. I think that, you know, give Senator Klein a chance. I would let him lead uh, the Independent Democratic Conference. Let Senator Klein sort of take control and, and, and lead the Democratic Conference. And I think you'd actually see things getting done. There That's is, where politics becomes personal. <laughs> no, look, it's, this is not, you know, look, this is not about, you know, popularity contest, who likes who. It's about ability to get things done. Senator Klein and, and Diane Savino and the Independent Democratic Conference, I know Senator Peralta is getting a lot of heat back in his district, but when he delivers the DREAM Act and other things that his community has been fighting for for so long, because of his willingness to find ways to work together, Together, right? 
that's actually a good thing. It, it is. It is disappointing, and we're going to have to close with this: the the idea that both in Washington and in Albany that you can no longer work across the aisle, that you can no longer. I mean, it just and uh, maybe it's a Trump effect. Although I thought it was an Obama effect. I mean, that's really been the something that's gone on, and it probably goes back to George W. Bush as well. You know, our politics has become that you cannot work with other people, and it's just disappointing. But we're going to have to leave it there for this week. This is Spin Class on the Nachum Siegel Network, coming to you from Central Perk in the middle of the blizzard of. February of 2017. Thank you, Phil Goldfeder, for being here. And we will pick it up next week on the Nachum Siegel Network. Stay tuned for Jew in the City Speaks with Allison Josephs.